The world is a confusing place, filled with all manner of shimmering distractions that take our conscious mind and our immortal souls and subvert them into the most basal of human emotions. Can any one of us who considers ourselves a spiritual being truly look around the carnival at the barkers, performers, and the caged animals and believe, even momentarily, that any of this is as it should be? My name is Alan Bishop, the alchemist of the Black Forest of Indiana, distiller, historian, occasional tinker, reenactor, and your host of If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. Have you ever noticed the world isn't quite what it presents itself to be? That something is just a little off kilter, just a little out of focus. Perhaps that movement you caught out of the corner of your eye was more than a shadow, that weight on your shoulder more than fatigue. I have lived my whole life like this, aware, awake, and waiting for the next experience, positive or negative, always apprehensive, always analyzing. I believe that spiritual warfare is real. I believe from societal observation that others are becoming acutely aware. I believe that many are being influenced by forces unknown in a negative and spiritually deprived way. I see soft disclosure in every corner of pop culture. Join us as we pull back the curtain, as the veil thins and reach with us into the ether to reclaim the truth. But if you have ghosts, you have everything. Alright guys, so we're here in the tiny bedroom studio with uh, a very good friend of mine that I've known since uh, really right after I got into the, the legal distilling industry one way or the other. Uh, my friend Nate is here in the tiny bedroom studio today. And um, Nate and I hit it off very early on in my career. He came to work at, uh, at Copper and Kings and um, <laughs> I accused Nate, I think, originally of being like, I think they brought you in to like babysit me and the other distiller, right? And I was like, when I first saw you, I was like, this fucking guy. I was like, this is the guy that's going to replace me, right? That's what's going on here. Uh, but we hit it off. We became very good friends. And Nate was one of the best workers in the distilling industry that I've known. Honestly, Nate, that's the truth. And the Thank other you. thing that I will say here too is if there was ever uh, an opportunity where I got to pick a team of people to work in a distillery, you would be picked number one. So well, I appreciate that. Seriously. Absolutely, man. Um, so Nate told me, uh, let's say some, some ghost stories when I worked at Copper and Kings and, and, uh, what a great place to tell them too, down in that weird, creepy basement in that old building. Yep. No you windows, know. barely any circulation. Right. Right. <laughs> and we, we joked for the longest time, I think even before you came there, myself and the other distiller that was, uh, you know, they, they spent millions of dollars, you know, building this building and making it nice. And, you know, we spent several months there putting everything together, bringing in barrels of bot brandy, uh, starting to prototype stuff. And we joked several times. It was literally like Willy Wonka, like nobody ever goes in and nobody ever comes out. Right. Yep. So um, all that being said, I want Nate to introduce himself. Uh, and I do think that you guys will appreciate what he has to present to you because these are very unique stories. Um, Nate has lived a, a very colorful life and a very unique life, uh, and it's very different from anyone else that we've had on the show in the past. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Yeah, because I, I kind of, you know, look at my life and think it's just kind of been what you know did what I did, and that was about it. But um, you know, I'm from Michigan originally, and uh, ended up uh, leaving there to go to college. Went to West Point uh, for college, and that's really where my first experience was that we talked about. And uh, when that uh, when that happened, it was there was a uh, an old uh, story the the choker ghost that would run around and and choke cadets. He would sit on his, on their chests and choke them, and they'd feel it on their necks. And always kind of heard that story, all kinds of other stories. But there was one night. It was a Friday night. And this this is and I always throw in try to throw in a little exposition as I go to Nate just uh, yeah. just for fun. This is very similar to this idea that people maybe you've seen in, in paranormal shows or 
you've read about like the idea of sleep paralysis, exactly. right? Yep. Uh, and and it, you know the easy way to explain that away is that there's a thing called sleep paralysis, and mm-hmm. you wake up but you're not able to move. You're fully conscious, but you can't yep. move your arms, your legs, etc. And uh, I have no doubt that scientifically that exists, but I also have no doubt that what you're about to get into, uh, and this is one of the reasons I want to get you on the show, uh, was not sleep paralysis, in my opinion. Yeah, in, in mine either, because I've had sleep paralysis later beyond that, you know, and, uh, you know, they're the kind of dreams that you, you're dreaming and you can't move and you think you hear somebody and, but the lights are on or the sun's up or something, but then when you finally get out of it, when you wake up, it's dark you're still nighttime so i've had sleep paralysis before and i'm usually like on my stomach when i wake up so this is yeah this is completely different so and it's interesting because of of some of the surrounding uh effects that this this experience had too which is which i found out later in the week but uh this happened uh our our final year at west point we were getting ready to graduate probably in a couple months i can't remember it might have been april or may or so and uh, my roommate was gone for the weekend, and this is a this is a Friday night, so I was in my room by myself, and um, we had to turn the lights off by probably midnight, I think, maybe it was one o'clock or so, because it was a kind of an off weekend they call it, when people could go off and do things. So I'm just laying in, in bed on my back, and I can never fall asleep on my back. And I remember I had my my left leg out and my right leg kind of cocked up a lean up against the wall because our beds were up against the wall and my other roommate was on the opposite side of the room for me and when I I was just kind of laying there enjoying just being you know close to graduating and just a peace and quiet and as I was laying there I, I started to feel this pressure on my chest and I started feeling the I, I swear I felt like like a some choking on my throat where there was there's some fingers around my throat on both sides on the left and right and then it felt like there were two thumbs pressing down <clears throat> on my adam's apple so you could feel the actual physical presence of something oh yeah holding yeah. you by the neck yeah That's and freaking creepy yeah because i was sitting there because i was like yeah this is i was thinking well maybe maybe it's not what i think it is maybe i'm just like tense or something but i said well i'm just gonna sit here and not do anything and just let it let it ride out but the more I laid there, it it got tighter. tighter. It just kept getting tighter, and and I couldn't move. Uh, I was I was trying to kind of sit up, and I felt like this cool breeze on my on my forehead too. And you know, even though we were cadets, my hair was always kind of long, considering mm-hmm. I never had the high and tight or anything. So my hair is kind of like it is now. Right. Um, but I could feel my hair kind of move too. So there's like something in front of my face, just kind of cool cool breeze. And I'm going, I know what this is. So then I really started trying to get up. I'm like, I'm going right. to get the you hell out of here. You heard the stories. You, you heard the folklore yeah. and all the yeah. background and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm trying to get up. And then I hear uh, the uh, cadet in charge of quarters out, outside in the, in, the, in the area. He goes, second floor, lights out. And there's, I was on first floor. And somebody was on second floor. They still had their lights out. So by this time, everybody should have their lights out. Mm-hmm. So as soon as he said lights out, I could actually sit up. Because it broke, it kind of broke. Right. Whatever was happening yeah. there it broke yeah. the concentration. Or it broke the the bond, the, the mm-hmm. hold, whatever. Exactly. That there's a third party somehow involved. Correct. Right. And that's when I was kind of thinking, is like, well, maybe, maybe I was just dreaming this. Maybe I was imagining it or something. So I try to lay back down and uh, kind of ignore it. But it, I just felt kind of creeped out, mm-hmm. just because it was so real. So I sat up in bed and I was like. Well, let me, let me try to lay down again. So I sat up for a little bit, laid back down. I was like, nope, screw this, man. I'm getting out of here. So I went up to the second floor to, to my old roommate's uh, room and uh, said, uh, he goes, what do you, I opened the door because you're not supposed to leave your room after lights right. out either. You're supposed to stay in your room all night. So when I, when I went in his room, he goes, he goes, what the hell are you doing in here? I said, dude, I just got choked by that ghost. He goes, well, don't bring it in here. <laughs> and because th- he believes that's that a, stuff that's too. That's a true friend. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, don't bring it in here. Yeah. So I ended up sleeping in, in uh, his roommate's bed that night because he was out on some kind of core squad thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when I went down the next night, I was like, man, I was just creepy. Yeah. So, so how long were you at West Point when this, this happened? That was that was my fourth year. Was your fourth yeah, year. we were almost so, getting ready to graduate. And I'm going to presume, and and you can kind of fill in the audience as, as we're going through this as well. I'm going to presume that this is this is a story that has been passed down mm-hmm. 
I'm guessing cadet to cadet over time, oh, yeah. over a number of decades, years, mm-hmm. etc. Yeah, it's in um, books and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's pretty well documented mm-hmm. that this is a some phenomenon that happens there. And, yep. and Is there is there any backstory to it? Do you know if there's any? I, I, I don't know. I can't really remember to tell you the truth because it was basically there were things everybody's stressed out. You know, it goes to the whole you know sleep paralysis thing again. Right. And I was thinking, but I wasn't stressed out that night. I was really really relaxing. You know, it was really nice. Yeah. Um, but uh, what I think makes this more unique is that on kind of going back to my roommate on Friday morning when uh, you know before all this happened Mm -hmm. he woke up and told me that he goes man I had a terrible dream last night he goes I had some dream that that some some punk kid was was like holding me down and like yelling at me screaming I'm gonna fucking kill you I'm gonna kill you he said I felt so creeped out by this that I got up and said a Hail Mary because he was Catholic right and because I remember hearing him, you know, because I mean, we're literally, you know, separated by like, you know, 10 feet maybe right. in these rooms. And I'm, I'm hearing him like shuffling around in his bed. I'm like, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with him? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he's athletic and he, he's not spooked about stuff. But yeah, that's what he told me that that next morning. He's like, man, I had a terrible dream last night. Right. So I was like, hmm. And it didn't hit me until, you know, I didn't even think about that afterwards because that incident happened to me on Friday night. Mm-hmm. So... On Sunday night, when we had uh, formation, we all had to get together, formation, like accountability formation, we called it. And everybody makes sure they come back from leave or where they're at for their core squad sports or whatever. So we're all kind of sitting around, milling around, talking. And um, one of the guys who's down the hallway from ours, like if we, if you stepped out of a room, went down to the right, there's a room that was empty because those guys are out in their core squad games. And then the next room down was a buddy of ours he uh his roommate was gone that night too then this i think for him that was probably saturday night this happened to him mm-hmm. and he said man i had i had this terrible dream that i had this this cat sitting on my chest and these demons were holding my arms down and i couldn't move and he goes i, I felt he said i woke up and i felt terrible and i got up and i took a shower and again this is happening after hours so you're not supposed to be leaving your room right so I found out that that happened to him. And then a couple of our classmates, some of our female classmates, if you went, again, if you went out our room and took a left, went down that, their room was the first one on our left. They said they felt something weird in their room on that Thursday night. It was like Thursday or Wednesday. And it doesn't matter. It was basically the day before it happened to Ryan, right. my roommate. They felt something happen that they had to turn their lights on and they left their door open. And so I, I kind of pieced that together, and I was like, "Wait a minute!" So it just wasn't me that had this experience. It, it was multiple people. It was yeah. multiple people, and multiple people that you knew. Yeah. So that that so my, that begs the question too, uh, and this is all just philosophical, right? Whatever. But the first, I guess, the first question I would ask is like, to you, did it feel like it was something? Let's say what for whatever it's worth, quote unquote, evil, right? Or right. Maybe it's maybe it's kind of also one of those things. Maybe that's the thing about it being passed down from mm. cadet to cadet. Like maybe it's one of those things that's helping you get ready for what you might yeah. go through as a cadet at West Point. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I kind of got a. Uh, I didn't get a good feeling from it. Right. I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't get a necessarily a, a terrifying. You know, I can't move. Mm-hmm. You know, I just terrified feeling. But right. it, it was. I would say more of a uh, menacing type of type of feel to it because you're like you just don't do this to somebody regardless right. you know you sit there and you choke yeah. somebody and then you know again i don't know where the whole legend comes from but based on how my classmates felt like one room the first night then my roommate yeah. and then me and then the fellow the next night and like day after day after day everybody whatever their experience was came across as negative or frightening or evil or something and so, within a group of people that's definitely going to talk to one another right. and let one another know yeah. one way or the other yep. that's that's definitely uh to me that's that's super interesting that, yeah that it's it's almost uh it's almost like it's methodical in a way that, mm. that it knew that you would talk to one another it knew that you would share those stories and then and we talked about this on the show many times in the past but about how some of these negative entities they feed off of negative energy right, right? You know, and it was feeding off of that negative mm-hmm. energy to some degree or the other oh, yeah. uh, amongst you and your friends. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
So, and I'm, I'm curious. So, uh, I'll throw this out there for those who are listening to this that, that might be interested. Are you, uh, have you ever heard Nate? And I know you're not, uh, you're not on social media. Um, and I wish this guy would start a podcast. He needs to start a podcast. There is a, uh, a guy on Instagram called Tales from the Grid Square. No, I haven't heard from him or so heard of him. No. He would be somebody that you should also reach out to with yeah. the story. Cause, and, and what he does is he just posts stories on mm-hmm. Instagram right now because he's still active and he's anonymous, obviously, yeah. for obvious reasons. But he shares these odd paranormal things that happen when you're in the service. And he's he's really shared some very interesting things. And I think yeah. that one would be right in yeah. the group. So. But cool, man. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll take a short little break here and we'll come right back momentarily. Hey, what's up, guys? It's great to be back with If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything, Season 2. You might have noticed from the show that we absolutely love to collaborate with our friends. Well, it turns out that some of our good friends in the distilled spirits industry just happen to have delved into my second favorite beverage class, coffee. But not just any coffee. Barrel-aged coffee. Aged exclusively in Kentucky bourbon rickhouses using unique barrels. So when I came across two unique 15-gallon chinkapin oak barrels to use for the One Piece of the Time Distilling Institute channel on YouTube, I knew that their next stop would be with John Waddell and Corey Welch of Stave and Bean Coffee Company. The first barrel was second filled with apple wood smoked malted corn whiskey for nine months before unique Brazilian beans were aged prior to their roasting. This is the one piece at a time Distilling Institute brand. Unique, buttery, and slightly smoky. It just turns out that it pairs great with an episode of Distillers Talk podcast. See what I did there? That's cross-marketing. The second barrel had to have a little something special for Kim and I and be part of If You Have Ghosts. You have everything. So when a close personal friend approached us about making him some homemade blackberry wine, we jumped all over it. We took that blackberry wine and we added it to that 15-gallon barrel. Then we fortified that wine with some white apple brandy to make a fortified blackberry wine. A blackberry port, if you will. Afterwards, that barrel went down to John and Corey of Stave and Bean Coffee Company, where they added some amazing Ethiopian Guji beans, giving us a fruit aroma filled spiritual experience with our coffee. For if you have ghosts, you have everything. Both of these coffees are exclusive to thealchemistcabinet.com and staveandbean.com, and they'll never be replicated again. Get yours today and enjoy it while you listen to the show. Love y'all. Later. All right, guys. So we're back with my buddy, Nate, and uh, Nate has some more interesting stories to share. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the uh, the West Point story. And um, for any of you out there that might be uh, West Point uh, as well in the past, if you have any stories uh, related to what Nate was talking about or anything else, please reach out to me at bishopshomegrown at gmail.com. I'd be glad to talk to you and put it on the show because there's always... There's always people that listen to shows. I feel like uh, Nate. I don't know if you, you know, if you follow any of these podcasts or anything, but I'm always like, I'll hear, I'll hear an episode of a podcast where somebody talks about something that somebody else has told me, and I'm like, man, I wish I could mm. get those people to talk back and forth, you know. So, but with all that being said, I know you got you got more stories to get into, uh, more interesting, uh, spooky stuff to get into one way or the other. So. Yeah, I think uh, the other one that you liked uh, was the one that uh, the story that when I went to Japan mm-hmm. uh, to uh, help my brother move back, and right. and uh, he was out of the house when I was there, so I was cleaning it up, and basically I got to the house. It was an old, old Japanese farmhouse, and to be honest, I can't remember the city I went to because it was just basically fly in and stay in and fly back out. So, uh, but it was I think I flew into Kyoto or something, and then went up to kind of that northern northern part of the long part of japan you know mm-hmm. it's not like right. way up north but it's just like the northern part of that main island yes. so yeah um so when i got in the house uh he wasn't there but uh got in and again it's it's one of these old japanese farmhouses right in the middle of a city and 
it was locked from the front, so I unlocked it. And uh, when I went in, it had kind of those sliding doors like you, you typically see. And I was just kind of walking around, getting the feel for the house, and never hadn't been there before. Uh, walked around and walked around towards the back of the house, and then there was an upstairs, and I heard this noise upstairs. And it sounded like somebody was walking. It just sounded like a couple of, like, quick steps. You know, not like they were running, but just kind of like almost a stumble. Right. So I thought, well, it shouldn't be. There's nobody in here. There shouldn't be anybody here. But uh, just in case, because there was nobody there, I didn't know if any door, any other door was there, if there was a squatter in there or what. So I found this little teeny ball-peen hammer Mm -hmm. and just walked up the stairs just in case. Uh, And this happened probably around 2010, maybe. 2010, 2009, something like that. So walked upstairs, didn't see anything. Um, figured, well, it's just me hearing stuff. So when I uh, went back downstairs, I spent some hours there just kind of cleaning things up and getting things ready uh, for him to go home and uh, ended up leaving the house and coming back with some more cleaning equipment. You know, just kind of minor details for you, but just to let you know, I did spend a lot of time there at the house before what happened happened. And so I spent time in different rooms cleaning up kitchen bathroom whatever uh it was hot so it was super hot there in japan at the time and i was drinking water all day uh, so i wasn't dehydrated so i kept telling myself well maybe i was dehydrated when i had this experience so this experience that i had um i was upstairs in the same area that i'd heard the kind of stumble when i first walked into the house and i was just sitting in the middle of the floor and there were no furniture up there and they had those sliding uh paper doors yeah yeah, that just kind of segregate the room into different sections like Um, uh like in the karate kid for those who aren't uh familiar with japan in general yeah exactly or anything kill bill or any of that stuff yep um so i'm just i'm just sitting there in the middle of the floor and i'm just kind of looking through some some papers and some pictures that that he had and i was trying to figure out what was important what wasn't so as i'm sitting there i feel this it, it felt like an electric current kind of like come down over top of my head and just kind of envelop me. And it wasn't, it wasn't a shock. It wasn't, uh, it's was almost like a, uh, an electric fence almost, you know how you electric fences, yeah. at least when I was a kid, you could kind of touch them with grass and it would, right. it would just kind of vibrate you feel a little the, bit. The energy, but you don't get actually shocked. You yeah. don't get hurt in some way, shape or form, but exactly. all, uh, even almost like the, uh, uh, a lesser form of it might be when somebody is somewhere around something paranormal and mm-hmm. you feel the hair on the back of your neck stand right. up sort of thing right. or goosebumps or something of that yep. nature. Yep. So, so and that's that's kind of how it felt. So I'm sitting there going, well, this this is something weird. And I kind of had that feeling like somebody was watching too. So mm-hmm. all I did then was just get up kind of slowly and just kind of walk to the front of the house. And there's kind of like a little uh, big windows to the front overlooking the street. And as I walked away, I could feel that, that field or whatever it was just kind of like go away from me. Or, or just I just walked away from Almost it. Almost like you broke yeah, from it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I figured, well, let me, let me walk back there to see if it was my imagination or something. But when I walked back and I kept walking to the opposite side of the room... It felt like I went through this this field again. It's like a cloud almost. And it was just had this, this energy to it. It was really electrical in a way. And I figured, no way. You know, there's this. Right. This can't be, you know, something. And that's where yeah. your brain automatically, <clears throat> yeah. when there's some some experience like this that you happen. I think most people, their brain goes, nope, mm-hmm. we're not we're not doing this. Yeah. Right. We're shutting this down. Yep. We're not having this. Yep. Uh, and then there's another little piece of your brain that goes. Mm-hmm. Maybe we are doing this. Right. We're curious. Exactly. We want to know what's going on. So. Yeah. So when I went through that second time i actually turned around and figured oh, let me try just one more time and see what happens so i walked through the exact same path that i just went through in the exact same place it's just like i walked through something and then when i got through it i kind of went i i got everything i need up here and because when i've had experiences like this i try not to acknowledge them right. like uh, uh verbally or you know i, I don't talk to don't them feed them any energy Exactly, because right. I know that some of these things can, um, I'm a firm believer that other people are more sensitive to these things than other people, so in some of them, things will attach themselves to you or something else, so, back home. yep, so I just, I just ignore it, so right. I figured, well, let me, I got what I need up here, 
I don't feel like I'm in any kind of danger. It, it felt more like it was curious as to why I was there. That's why I never, I didn't get any any feeling like I was right. Like there was nothing negative. There was nothing hurtful. Right. Just it was it was exploring you. Yeah. In the same way that you explored it when you walked away and you came. Exactly. Back. Right. Yeah. It wasn't like that West Point thing where that was. I mean, it was choking me. So right. and that and it it made other people feel uneasy and and you know a little fearful. So didn't get that feeling at all. It just had this weird. Uh, like somebody was there watching and somebody was just kind of curious as to what I was doing. So I just walked down the stairs because when I remember I was looking down the stairs and these stairs were, were tiny and it was really steep. So I'm right. like, I'm definitely not going to say anything because I don't know if I can, if I provoke it or scare it or whatever. So I'm just going to ignore it and just walk downstairs because I don't yeah, need it pushing me down the stairs. As the resident fat kid here, Nate, I'll just tell you right <laughs> now, like I'd have the same thought and I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to sit down and I'm going to butt scooch down these stairs. <laughs> yep. <laughs> just to be safe. Yep. Yeah. I just like, just get me back down here. So, right. <clears throat> and then uh, something interesting on that too is like when, when I was talking to my brother later, uh, when he was in that house, cause he was over there teaching English and he was there with some other, other folks teaching English too. He told me that he would have dreams that there was like a ghost or something like trying to get into the back of his head. Mm -hmm. Like it would, would like, it wouldn't really talk to him, but he just felt like it was like trying to get into the back of his head. Right. And I told him, I was like, listen, don't, I'm not saying it didn't happen or it did happen, but you know, yeah, it, it, there's something that there was something in there. So. Right. Well, and that, that makes a lot of sense too. You know, I mean that, that's that there's a, uh, you know, there, there's some, uh, some sacred, magic involved in that particular part of the body you know and if something's going to enter you that's mm -hmm. probably where it's going to happen at so yep. you know uh those things do happen and people people may not realize that they may not understand it but it, it does happen it's a very real thing mm -hmm. right uh and i think that a lot of people out there nate and this is one reason i want to have you on the show a lot of people out there are going through those sort of things and they don't even necessarily understand I think that that's one of the reasons why all these paranormal podcasts and all these uh, cryptid podcasts and all these shows exist nowadays because there are more stories now. Dude, in the, even since we've known one another mm -hmm. in the past seven or eight years, you look at the amount of uh, paranormal content out there one way or the other, and, and yes, some of it, granted, is not legit. But if you look at it overall as like if even 20% of it is legit, yeah. something has changed, right? Mm -hmm. And that's one reason that I want to bring you on the show. One reason we started the show is because I do think events in the past few years have amped up those kind of things, how they affect people, what people are seeing, the types of people that are seeing these things. Like, you know, there was a time when you were a doctor or a lawyer, you weren't saying shit to mm -hmm. anybody if you had something weird happen. Uh, I don't think those days are completely behind us, but they're certainly far more behind us now than they ever have been. Yeah. And uh, that's one reason I wanted you to come on the show was to, to also talk about that because... Uh, again, guys, uh, you know, I've known Nate seven, eight years now. Uh, Nate is one of the most stand-up guys that I know in the world. Uh, good you. worker, good person, good human being, great friend, uh, right? And, and Nate has lived, in, again, a very interesting life. He's seen a lot of things. Uh, and so to have somebody like you to come on the show, to, to, for lack of any better word, and it's not a great descriptor, but to, to sort of testify to, yes, these things do mm -hmm. exist. Yes, there's weirdness out there. Yes, sometimes it can be malevolent, mm -hmm. right? And, uh, and I would like to hear maybe some of your commentary on yeah. what you might see out there. In the world. Yeah, it's uh, it's there's definitely been a change um, in really kind of what the spirit of the of what's going on in the world. And I mean, it's, it's not just here in America; you can see it. What's going on in Europe, China, everywhere, and even uh, we we're watching a, a YouTube channel uh, last night. Uh, it's cultish. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of that. Yes, yeah. It was, it's really good. It was talking about um, ayahuasca trips and how Westerners are volunteering to take those. And I was I was interested in doing that too at one time. Now I'm like, no thanks, because right. I really I really think it does invite spirits into you, mm -hmm. uh, because that's what the shamans in these South American countries use it for. They right. don't. It's like what like they said in cultists. They don't do it for you know life affirmation or mind altering you know how can i be a better person yes. they're like how can i go attack this tribe and how can i use these spirits to help me do this that kind of machine elf theory as it were right? yeah the idea that there are entities that live there 
and that you can touch base with them and yeah they give you things right yeah. and that all comes at a cost too oh yeah completely because that's that's what they're they're trying to get i mean that's that's what they want mm-hmm. uh you know it's like the whole cliche of selling your soul you know what are you going to do to to get fame or money or whatever you right you sell your soul and you know you work work with the demons or satan or whatever and kind of you know it, it's it's interesting because i've i've Especially with the, probably the last five, no, let's see, probably about like, like last six years now, um, really started going down that path of looking into um, more, more, you know, what is Christianity? Right. And when I was going down that route, I started uh, concurrently studying occult things. Just mm-hmm. kind of that's how it worked. Yeah, that, that that's how you educate <clears throat> yourself. And it uh, really, when I was studying that stuff, I would kind of spend more time on uh, like eighty to ninety percent Christian apologetics, but then I'd use you know the other ten to twenty percent to start looking at well, what's what's the evil side doing? Because I really think it's as simple as just good versus evil, right? Uh, God versus Satan. I, that's my that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting to see how far we've fallen. I would say just in the last probably 70 years now mm-hmm. is that is that about right like right would, after world war ii right in that yeah. that time period yes. with alistair crowley and yep. jack parsons yep. and l ron hubbard yep. and babylon working and, and all you, that you yeah. could probably even touch on it on on it even back into the 1920s and maybe even going back to some degree to the the, the uh false spiritualists mm-hmm. right madame blavatsky yep. and and a lot of that was very attention seeking and it wasn't it wasn't quote unquote say real mm-hmm. magic but what is real magic if it's not manipulative right right and yep. it's for attention so yep. yes i agree yeah so it's just it's just uh interesting to see where we're at because his alistair crowley especially his his uh influence is still felt today everywhere um, you can see it with a do what thou wilt mindset you know everybody do what they want you know you know love will be the whole of the law and he's like well how do you define love like, right love can anything you can do or anything you want to do but what about the person you love can they do anything they yeah. want to do so it's like a, a kind of a perversion of, of love yeah so even even not to not to delve into like deep politics right but, and, I'm, and i won't go too deep down this rabbit hole but even the idea of and i use myself as, a, as an example of this nate uh even this idea of acceptance for whatever that's worth mm-hmm. okay uh, and the idea that you have to accept people for what they are and what they do and who they are, etc., and you can't judge them. <clears throat> Listen, I call myself an alchemist, mm-hmm. but I also make fun of myself, and I shouldn't expect mm-hmm. that someone else wouldn't do that to some degree, right? Like, that magic can be beneficial in the moment to people who tap into it, but it can also be very harmful over time, mm-hmm. right? Yep. The idea that you're 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 somehow... No matter who you are, no matter whether you're uh, an absolute fundamentalist Christian or you're an absolute pagan or whatever your your identifier is, that doesn't do anything to help society over time that I'm special mm-hmm. and therefore you can't judge mm-hmm. who and what I am, if that makes yep. sense. And, and I think that a lot of those things, you've seen this even in the distilled, distilled spirits industry. Uh, the distilled spirits industry, I always make the joke, Nate, uh, that it's like it's the closest thing to pro wrestling in the world because mm-hmm. you have to play a character right but when you play that character you invite things into your life whether it's through spirits that you drink out of a bottle or the spirits that associate themselves mm-hmm. with a bottle you start to believe some of your own bullshit mm-hmm. right and you can fall down a rabbit hole <coughs> that is harmful not just to you but to your family to everyone else around you and no matter how you break that down whether it's alcoholism or whether it's uh, just you had a little bit too much to drink there's evil mm-hmm. in that, so and I think yeah. you've seen that as well. So yeah, yeah, and it's um, it's something because you get you get to the point where I do wonder is like it, is there some kind of outward spirit that's kind of somehow ends up directing people Very in a certain so. direction, um, whether it's done intentionally or you know that they're actually people actually commune with these spirits to get music lyrics recipes songs whatever or if they're just being influenced and don't even know it right um which is i don't know if that'd be worse or not you know honestly if they're being influenced and they don't even know it but 
I don't know. It, it just get it definitely think it feels like in the last couple of years there there does seem to be a veil that is starting to lift. And those, and, yeah, and, and those things are coming through. And and I will tell you that I, I very firmly believe that, that that what you just said is on the right track. That there are, and you may not even realize that that's what's happening, but there are things that people tap into, right? And and you can call it your muse or your inspiration, whatever. And I've certainly I've certainly done this in my career. Not intending to to be malevolent, or not intending to invite malevolence into my life, uh, but there are things that people tap into, right? And they have power, and you may not even realize that power. And it's almost more dangerous if you mm -hmm. don't realize it versus yeah. you do realize it and you still invite it in. Because if you do realize it, then you kind of have some power over top of mm -hmm. it, right? You can, you could potentially realize your mistakes mm -hmm. and change things. But if you don't realize what's happening, yep. Right, that leads you down a, a very negative path, and and uh, I certainly, uh, I certainly see that amongst people that I know in the industry that I'm in and that mm -hmm. used to be in. So. Yeah, and I think uh, with a lot of that stuff too, there's th that's why I don't you know, like even get in, into any of that stuff because I used to have fun doing tarot card readings, and I used to uh, try to do you know talk to ghosts with a, one of those recorders and see yeah. when it came back it was like, no more. You know, I'm right. not I'm not messing with it anymore because it's just. You know, not not getting too biblical into it because I'm I'm definitely not a biblical the, theologian or anything, but I do enjoy it. And, I, and what I do like about the Bible is seeing when you look back at some like a boring book like Deuteronomy, which is legalistic and all the laws that God says don't do. Right. They were telling people not to do it for a reason. There's usually a decent reason behind it yeah. as well. And this is like what. Three, you know, three, four thousand years ago, like where the story started, it was written fifteen hundred years ago or so. So, you know, we haven't changed as a species. We're still the same. We're still making shit bags. Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> I agree. we're I agree. and we were messing around with the same stuff back then. And there's yeah. nothing new under the sun. And Solomon said it. Right. So everything, and that's why when I hear about the new age now, new age is nothing new. It's just packaged. The marketing is different. It's different. Yeah. Right, exactly. It's just it's 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 uh it's shinier, it's glossier, mm -hmm. uh, and now it is also popular. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. And and I'm not I'm not a great one to commentate on on necessarily all those things because to some degree, obviously, I have I have some Gnostic and, and mm -hmm. maybe even some Islamic mysticism leanings. But I do agree with you. Uh, there's a <laughs> a danger zone mm -hmm. that you can fall into. Especially if you're not strong in whatever your your actual faith is, mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't justify doing any of these things. I'm just saying. I know if what you're you mean. Going to do them, you better believe yeah. in something that's a higher power than you that can save your ass mm -hmm. if you get yourself in a mud yeah. puddle you can't get out of. Yeah. So. And and I would definitely caution thinking that we are smarter than these things that we can't see. Uh, no matter how clever they are or how kind they appear, they I've I've had people tell me how they hear, have dreams of well I you know I had dreams of not my father but you know somebody else's father and, and he came to me and said everything was going to be okay he's like how do you know that's his father right. these demons they know how to manipulate yes they're very clever they know what they're doing that they're, they're a higher being than we are so that's why again kind of going back to the biblical thing they God said don't mess with this stuff because yeah. it's not good and is and that's why I totally believe it's real. Um, right. I think, and like I said, I think it's all around us. I think there's probably stuff around us right now. We just can't see it. Absolutely. I think it's this, this infinite, like this, this, uh, film that probably just is like over top of us yep. that separates us from that. It's all and the things that are next to us mm. that we can't see. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I've said this, uh, I probably said this on almost every episode that we've done and, and I know it's getting trite and it's getting old, but it's still the one thing that sticks out to me. Uh, and I don't know that I've ever told you this, Nate, but there's a line in the Quran in particular that always made a lot of sense to me, which is uh, the jinn live at right angles to us, right? Mm -hmm. So it's around the corner. Yeah. You can't see it. Maybe you don't yeah. even know the corner's there. But the creepy part of it is not that the jinn live around the corner from you. It's that they have neighbors, mm -hmm. right? That's a pretty vague yeah. statement, right? right? We understand what the jinn are. We get a very good idea of what they are, how they operate, what they do. Right, whether they are—I uh, don't—I don't even want to use the word beneficial—but whether or not they they can, in some instances, help someone get to something they want, and there's usually a cost associated with it, or they don't care about you, or they absolutely hate you. Yeah. All right. 
just like any other human, except they have powers that you don't have. Mm -hmm. But they have neighbors. Yes. That's creepy, yeah. right? That, that's that's uh, that's yeah. Those are the things I worry about when it comes to that. So yeah, that's and like I said, that's why I don't I don't even mess with it anymore because yeah. it's like I, yep. I I enjoyed it, I had fun with it at the time, but then I kind of I I learned my lesson. So right, yeah, right. Well, and there's also the uh, you know there's there's this weird thing that I have too. Like well, I went through this when we did the uh, the episodes about what happened here on the farm mm -hmm. when Kim and I were younger, uh, where people were like, well, that must have been exciting, and I'm like. Um, you know, I didn't appreciate and or enjoy any of those things mm -hmm. as they were happening. They were all very scary. Yeah. You know, in hindsight, uh, the one thing that I will say about them is if they did anything, they strengthened my resolve and the belief of a good and positive God. Mm -hmm. Right. And that everything will be okay as long as you confess that it will be okay. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, that's what I took from those experiences. Yeah, and then I think uh, I think God has done a uh, has has protected me quite a bit too through things, and uh, that's why I was like, no, about my 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 loyalty is to Him. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, all right, brother, we'll wrap this one up. Uh, uh, this segment, anyways. I don't know if you have more you want to add or not, but uh, I don't know. We can take a break and see what yeah. you we'll want to get into something else. We'll come back to it, brother. We're back with If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything with my buddy Nate. And uh, Nate has got another story to share about an experience with himself and I believe his his now wife uh, when he was in Louisville, Kentucky. And then we are going to uh, kind of delve into some of Nate's experiences at Buffalo Trace uh, Distillery as well as sort of what opened Nate up to his belief uh, in the paranormal or... Um, yeah, whatever word you want to use, whatever identifier. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different words out there nowadays. So, yeah, right. yeah. Because when we were out talking, uh, I'd forgotten uh, about this experience, and it's a real quick, quick little story. But uh, my wife and I were driving into Louisville. We were going to Germantown. We were coming off of 65, and I, I hate, I like avoiding traffic there. So, I took a little side street, and uh, I think it was Arthur, the Arthur Street exit. I can't remember. Got off there and just took a quick left to get going straight again on the side streets and there's on the corner there's a, a liquor store and didn't think anything of it i saw a fella kind of standing there just standing and then but i saw this woman who was sitting on a retaining wall in the parking lot and she looked homeless her head was shaved and she was just talking she was angry you know just just talking like you see in tv or right, whatever yeah, just like mad at the world not right. not in you know not focused yeah. at anything whatever just yeah. mad at the world and probably mentally ill too i just assume mentally ill right uh just by herself and I'm like man that's pretty sad and then there's no joke as soon as we made made the turn and started going straight and i got a little honda so there wasn't any noise anything she stopped and looked straight at me that was it yeah she she sensed something about you. She wanted you to see her. She made sure that you saw her. And there's something about that that kind of like sixth sense in you that kicks in like Yeah, it was what it was the hell creepy. just happened. Yeah, right? I I got chills immediately. Mm -hmm. I started praying immediately. Yeah. Um There are those things that that there are people like that in this world and whether or not they're even just in passing like you were mm -hmm. in your car. But you 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 felt this, and I suspect mm -hmm. that most most people who are listening to this have felt this too. Like when there's something going on with somebody on some spiritual level, mm -hmm. and they are uh, they're experiencing some sort of uh, spiritual malaise, there's a look that somebody will give you, yeah. and they can put that on you, mm -hmm. right? Uh, they can put that on you to the extent that there were cultures that had ways of protecting themselves from mm -hmm. that evil eye, as it yeah. were. Yeah, you know. Um, and I've I've had that I have had something very similar to that happen uh, for sure with um, not just people who are uh, obviously like what you're talking about somebody you know you driving down the street or you're walking down the street you meet somebody who is homeless who maybe does have a little bit of a mental right. issue and there and that plays into it but <clears throat> also in the distilled spirits industry I've met people that are miserable like mm -hmm. that and they can put that on you they can make you feel what they're feeling mm -hmm. in that moment you, you ever had a conversation with somebody and you just feel heavy oh yeah you're like i yeah. can't i can't do this i yep. gotta go somewhere else i can get away from this person right maybe somebody that you really like but it does happen sometimes mm -hmm. it's out there it's a thing 
Uh, and that's much more than just whatever those people are experiencing in their normal everyday life, in my opinion. There's something traveling with them, and they yeah. want you to feel <clears throat> it too. Yeah, so. yeah. And, yeah, that was just a pass-by. That was just something that was really... It, that was creepy. That was probably one of the creepier things that I've experienced, just because it was so quick, be, just because it was direct eye contact, and there's no reason for her to look at me at you while I'm driving by right. in the little Honda that makes no noise hardly you know right. so it's not like I frightened her or just and, and there's no squealing or anything and she's on the exit there's multiple people passing right. by why you yeah of all people yeah because you're aware yeah right and she knew you were aware yeah. and she was passing that on to you yeah there's something going because I got chills immediately and like I said I started praying I'm like yep. father father protect me yep yep absolutely so you also worked at uh, Buffalo Trace for a number of years, mm -hmm. uh, and that's that's how you were brought into Copper and Kings. Yep. Again, uh, just just to poke you with a stick to, to to get me and the other guy under control, right? And we probably, honestly, we needed it. Well, that was funny. Is that um, see, I never knew that till just now when you were right. telling me. I because I was like, yeah, I'm just here to. I just want to work, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, but. My most recent job, when I went in, I had lost a job in another place of downsizing. And then uh, when I started here, I basically started on the floor to, mm -hmm. just to get a foot in because I knew that was the quickest way to get in because it was around the holidays and everything. But everybody thought I was undercover boss. Well, it's because you have your shit together and people can <laughs> see that you have your shit together. That's the thing, Nate. It's, it's, so. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, I, I'm not, I just want to work, man. That's, right, I, right. I just want to work. Well, and I can imagine uh, the former owner of Copper and Kings, and we won't say his name, but I, I can imagine like, so you were, you were, if you remember when you were brought through on the tour, mm -hmm. and, and I'm just throwing this out there uh, just for fun for the audience. When you were brought through on the tour with, with that former owner of Copper and Kings, like, I'm sure it was very much so, like, you went to him, you said, I, I would like to have this job, and he was like, yo, we would love to have you, etc., right? But then he takes you on the tour, but it's not just that, like, from our perspective, it wasn't mm. just a tour, it was like, he walks into the basement and he goes, look at these two idiots, basically, right? This is what you'll be dealing with. Can you get them under control, right? And so immediately, like, uh, somebody calling Jesse Ventura, because we're about to go into conspiracy theory territory, like, a minute you, you guys walk out, we're like this fucking guy <laughs> like this guy like no more fun will ever be had because we didn't know yeah. you right yeah. we didn't know what they, yeah. what it was and and honestly again we probably needed that and i will say this too before we move into your buffalo trace stories uh when i said the thing about if i had my choice of mm. team members to start a distillery with you'd be top of the list uh in the short amount of time that we worked together i learned more discipline and care and uh just general maybe kind of get your shit togetherness from you in that short amount of time than I did from anybody else I have in this industry. Because in general, in the distilled spirits industry, there are very few people that have their shit together. Oh, I appreciate that. Them, Thank so. you. But yeah. Uh, yeah, if you got anything about Buffalo Trace. Then. Yeah. But, uh, and, and real quick for the for, yeah. for, for the former owner, <laughs> he, uh, I will say he was good to me and he brought me in and he was just kind of, it was what it was. What it was. And uh, yeah, it was just kind of like, he was just helping me out because I lost that job. And yeah. uh, well, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say that uh, he was good to me, and that that was never the intent. So right, no, I know yeah. it wasn't. I but I can wasn't. I can see your guys' uh, perspective on that. We were just, uh, you know, young dumb distillers, uh, one way or the other, trying to figure out what we were doing. And uh, again, even if that was the intent, it was probably <laughs> well deserved. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, if you want to jump into the Buffalo Trace stuff, yeah, with, and with Buffalo Trace, that was a, a neat neat place. Still is a neat place. Uh, tons of history. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily dark history. I think a lot of people try to paint a lot of pictures in places about dark history, and I don't really think there is. West Point's got some dark shit. I right. mean, what happened there, you know, during the war and everything. But I think with with BT in particular, it's uh, and I don't even think that people recognize what they're doing. But what they're doing is they're 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 projecting off of E. H. Taylor and his mm -hmm. history as a Rosicrucian Knights Templar. Right, that, that I never history. knew that. That's oh interesting. yeah, dude. There's a yeah. We'll yeah. have to talk about yeah, that yeah, sometime because yeah. uh, and maybe actually that would be maybe that's a a, a, a future episode mm -hmm. we can get together and we can go into so him he and as well as Lee Sinclair who we named her whiskey after yeah uh, they both had a family and a background that came from the Scottish Rosicrucians interesting uh, and so there's a lot of there's a reason why when Taylor went to Europe yeah. 
as a uh, as an actual distiller, mm-hmm. and then he came back from Europe. He wasn't a distillery; he was a distillery owner. He was wearing a, a tall cap and a fur coat because it was all about the image. Mm-hmm. And it was about what he had learned when he went to Europe, yeah. and and that sort of magical perception that people yeah. have of you when you present yourself a certain yeah. way. But that's that's a whole different episode. Yeah, so. no, that'd be interesting. Yeah, because I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people yeah. don't. Yeah, you won't but, see that in his biography. Because <laughs> yeah. it kind of makes sense. It's like, well, how do people get where they're at? Mm-hmm. You know, is, is it who they know? or How do you go yeah. from distiller to yeah. uh, bourbon baron? Yeah. Who is the one dude in Kentucky, and this is getting deep into distilling history, the one dude in Kentucky at a time where Pennsylvania is dominating the whiskey industry, but the one guy who can literally go to the President of the United States and go up against the Whiskey Trust, the only guy in mm-hmm. Kentucky, mind you, who could do that and say... Their whiskey isn't whiskey. My whiskey is the only thing that qualifies as whiskey, and here's why. And nobody laughed him out of the room, right? And mm-hmm. he didn't have as much money as those guys did, yeah. for sure. They could have buried him. They didn't because they were paying attention to him because he had a very particular way that he talked, a very particular way that he carried himself, and a very particular way that he dressed, all of which came out of Europe, mm-hmm. all of which came from that Rosicrucian Knights Templar uh, even to some degree, the Freemasons on a more local level mm-hmm. from that background. Yeah. So. No, that's interesting. That, then I, because what I've been just kind of going off this little tangent real quick before we get to Buffalo Trace, what I've been having fun doing lately is when I start seeing people just, you know, modern day, like who, who is, you know, now famous singer or actor or mm-hmm. whatever, politician, you think you get this story where they come from nothing and they become somebody right then you find out oh no that guy's grandmother was a top model back in the 60s mm-hmm. oh no her uncle was this guy doing this back in the 80s oh that's so-and-so's kid just with no, a different name sense. so oh so everybody <laughs> knows everybody and it's right. like george carlin said it's like there's a big party and you ain't invited mm-hmm. so that's that's You're not kind part of, of it yeah yes so yeah but that that yeah i'd like to go through that uh, sometime um, but getting back to Buffalo Trace real quick, I, I just have a few stories about that. And they're nothing, nothing crazy dramatic, but just kind of just stories that I think help um, oh, just kind of accentuate the, that there is something going on there just because of the age of the, in the grounds and everything. Um, there's a couple of times, there's one time that just sitting in an office on Saturday, we had some Saturday overtime we had to do, and there's no music or anything. I was just kind of sitting at my desk working, and uh, nobody was working in the back. Um, you know, if people are familiar with Buffalo Trace, that little train station right there, that was my office. I sat in the front. We had oh, yeah. processing in the back. Uh, and then the main building is where everybody was working there, the, the main Blanton building. So I was just sitting there at the desk, <clears throat> and I swear I heard, it sounded like muffled conversations between two or three women. Mm-hmm. And it sounded like it was being piped through somewhere. And I was trying to think, like, where is this coming from? But then it just kind of stopped. So it wasn't something that continued because I thought, well, maybe there's somehow sound coming from the other building, you know, however that travels through the windows or whatever to get over to the office. But it just kind of stopped and it just never came back. So that was kind of weird. There was another time uh, I went to the back uh, to check on the whiskey to see what was in in the tanks, what barrels, you know, where we were in the production side of things. And as I was looking at the two tanks that were up in the wall at the time, I saw this black... I mean, it was deep black. It looked like a saucer, like a like a plate mm-hmm. that just went straight down. It was like up where the barrels were. It just went straight down behind the barrels and behind the processing tanks. And it kind of startled me for a minute because I went, "Was that a spider?" Just because I mean, it was right so apparent that Your it brain was there, is looking yeah. for something to yeah. assign to it. Yeah. And I kind of went around and looked, and like I actually kicked kind of the, like the little trough down there to you know see if there was anything that really was back there, but there was nothing there. But you know, I, I guess there's some other stories that um, some of those ghost hunters did, and they said they talked about seeing black orbs or something, or seeing orbs or something. I don't know, yeah. but that's kind of what I that's what I saw, and that was like two in the afternoon or something, so it was bright, sunny day, and it was just this black circular thing just went right. just straight right down, and, and it, like it hid. So don't know what that was. Never saw it again. Uh, and then my processor, um, he'd always come in early, early in the morning. I'd, I'd probably get there about 10 after 6. He'd get in about 5 or 5.30 to start processing. And he uh, he said, man, did you come in early today? I said, no, I'm coming in any earlier than I have to because I had to drive an hour before yeah. I was living to get there. So I'd get there as, you know, as early as, as I could. 
Um, he goes, man, I could have sworn you were here because uh, I heard somebody, I heard the door open and close and I heard somebody coughing in here when like right, right, right. where your desk is. And he says, I went in there and looked and uh, nobody was here. I said, I wasn't here, man. So, wow. and he'd seen somebody, he's, he said he swear he saw somebody because he'd have to go back to building 52 where we did a lot of the, um, we moved bitters from and we had two other bottling lines we stuck in there. Uh, he'd go back there and process those totes and he uh, said, he goes, man, you, pro- you believe me or not, I don't care. I swear I saw like this black shadow walking between, you know, building 52 then that open area by the, uh, the water tower. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, I swear I saw like walking just silhouette shadow, like, like a cowboy hat or some kind of hat on and like a duster almost. And he said, it just kind of disappeared. So those are things that, that I've heard, uh, and seen and other people have seen. I know other people have seen other stuff too. So, oh, yeah. Well, it's, it, it's interesting too. So we, we did, a <clears throat> we did an episode about haunted distilleries and, uh, I didn't go deep into the Kentucky distilleries and there's plenty of lore out there about them, but you know, a couple things that you mentioned, like. Most of the distillery hauntings to me, and and two of which that you mentioned come to me as as this, uh, they are residual, right? Mm-hmm. They're a replay of yeah. you know people had a good time at the distillery, mm-hmm. you know, even if they're even if you're working at a distillery, at some point in time everybody has a good time yeah. at a distillery, right? And so that there's some energy that gets put out in the atmosphere, and maybe when conditions are right, the right person's around, it plays back. Mm-hmm. You see it like a, a, a VHS recording, right? Uh, but then you mentioned the thing about the the black thing you thought was a spider. Like to me, that doesn't come off as residual. That that comes off as uh, again maybe something a little darker in the industry, mm-hmm. hiding around in yeah. the background and and looking for somebody it could potentially attach itself yeah. to. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's 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 pretty interesting. And I think that those uh, those stories in particular, I think we we have some crossover from people into the distilling industry mm-hmm. that will in- appreciate that. But. Uh, one last question for you, Nate. So, um, I'm always curious uh, when I have somebody on the show that that is um, uh, a spiritual person and someone who believes in these sort of things and has, see, has seen and experienced these sort of things. Not everybody is, in my opinion, capable of seeing or interpreting or understanding or even paying attention to these things that are happening to them. Right now, again, as we mentioned, people are becoming more aware of them because of the, in my opinion, the evil that's in the world today. I'm always curious if there was any one thing that brought you into this, if there's any one experience or uh, it doesn't even have to be one experience, but uh, 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 something that pushed you in that direction to make you sort of go, this world is more than what mm-hmm. people realize it is. So, Yeah, well, when I was a kid, there wasn't one incident. I just, I, for whatever reason, I've always just been kind of open to it. Just like always, always believed God is there, Jesus is there, that happened. Um and I believe that if that can happen, then why, if there are angels, then why can't there be demons? Right. Why can't, why can't there be some kind of lost Equal souls out there? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I always just, I always just believed that it was possible. And I remember when I was a kid, I would, I would like that kind of supernatural stuff and they used to have those old time life books. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I'd get some of those. And then there's one, there's one in particular about ghosts or poltergeists or something that even my dad goes, we're not having that in the house. Right. So we sent that one back. So I was like, why? And I couldn't understand it at the time. Mm-hmm. Now I can. I mean, that's yep. like, I don't, they, I still have Stephen King books cause I enjoyed reading them. You know, I've, I don't have a whole lot of occult books. Um, mm-hmm. I really don't have those. I've got some like Manly P Hall stuff, just as more as reference. Not not to do things, but it's more as references. Um, but yeah, I've, I've always just kind of believed that it was possible. Bigfoot was a big thing that I always thought was out in the woods when we were up there in Michigan. Yeah. Um, aliens, we always see what we thought were strange lights. We, we weren't. We were out in the country, but you kind of see the lights of Pontiac, you know, out in right. the horizon. So you knew that there was an airport down there. But there are some weird things that would just kind of move across the sky slowly and stop and then just go back the other and it's just weird things like that so i always just kind of believe that there's something else out there um and there's things that people at the time back in the 80s you know they weren't talking about it and over the decades they've slowly becoming more open about it even now with the ufos that the government's talking about openly uh and my opinions change on aliens i i just think that they're interdimensional beings, demons. We're on the same page, angels, here, man. Whatever. We're on the same page. Yeah, 
So, yeah. and they can manipulate anything. Again, they're clever. They're smart. They're smarter than we are. We won't be able to control them. They, mm-hmm. They'll allow us to think we can to take advantage. To but, manipulate. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Because that's what they do. But, uh, yeah, I've just always always believed it. So. so here's a little bonus question for you because we have not we've not touched on this subject on this show yet and it's something well we have but in the form of it being trying to present itself as something i don't feel like it was in the trickster one and two episodes about the farm uh so something i am very interested in is bigfoot sasquatch Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it and i'm very curious what your opinion is do you do you think that this is a uh is this a physical great ape that's lost or is this is there something more happening with that thing whatever that thing is I used to believe that it was a type of lost humanoid or something, but almost like with the aliens, because I've been hearing more stories about, like Native American stories about talking about how it was also interdimensional, that it was like the hairy ghost or the hairy ape or something that would just pop in and pop out of reality. Mm -hmm. Um, That started making more sense to me. Um, And I I do believe that some things can pop in physically uh, and then just pop back because they would have that ability. What what he is or what it is, I I have no idea. Right. But I that's kind of because these legends have been going on for hundreds of years, thousands yeah. of years. It's so, not new. Yeah, there's it's not new. So somebody's talking about it for a reason, and they're they're um, they're rare for a reason too. Um, I agree. So that's why I think interdimensional just makes more sense to me than than. Uh, just because that goes back to the old cultures, um, you know, back in the Middle Ages, it was demons. That's what was getting you. It wasn't until we had sci-fi in the '50s that all of a sudden things became aliens. And right. Lamb, uh, yes. Alistair, Alistair Crowley's Crowley. little uh, uh, buddy. And Loch Ness of mm-hmm. all places, yep. where he where he did the ceremony yep. that he never finished. Yep. So that's where it's like, oh, well, look at that connection. How Lamb's head is so similar to the graves. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And people miss out on that stuff. Um, absolutely 100%. Um, there was another question I had there on uh, Bigfoot Sasquatch. I'm mm-hmm. trying to remember where I was going. It, I guess ultimately it doesn't matter because we're going to have you back for future oh, episodes. Thanks. So, um, Nate, I really appreciate you coming on being a part of this, dude. It, it's been super special to get you to come to the house alone and just hang out for a little while. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to do this more often yeah. now that you live on what I call the right side of the river. Yep, as yep. opposed to over there. I've been, I've been calling it that way, too. So. Right, right. Well, <laughs> we're, uh, we're enjoying it quite a bit over there. It wouldn't be uh, an appropriate Alan Bishop podcast if I didn't make at least one Kentucky joke, so <laughs> we're going to throw this out there. When we flush our toilets in Indiana, you know where all the water goes. Louisville. <laughs> it's got to yeah. go somewhere. It goes south. Yep, yep. <laughs> Poor Louisville. Right. It's a wonder, wonderful city, but it uh, took a turn. It did. Took it a did. turn. It did. All right, brother, we're going to jump off here, and I greatly appreciate it. All right, thank you. Later. Hey, guys, if you've been following my career at all, or following the If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything podcast. You've probably also heard about my other shows, Distiller's Talk, as well as the One Piece of the Time Distilling Institute. One thing you may not be aware of, however, is that we actually have a separate website called thealchemistcabinet.com. And the really cool thing about thealchemistcabinet.com is we have our very own store there. It's called The Warehouse One. And you can go there right now and pick up all your Christmas gifts. Or if it's after the New Year's or even before, if you're at all into if you have ghosts or you're into the art of distillation, you can go to the Warehouse One right now and buy various different if you have ghosts, you have everything and uh, one piece of the time distilling institute apparel and or merchandise. Things such as shirts and hats and stickers And my book, The Alchemist Cabinet Philosophy, Volume 1, or the two DVDs we're currently offering, A Short History of Distilling in Indiana's Black Forest, as delivered in a speech to uh, the Salem Depot, and or the Alan Bishop Experience documentary, directed and produced by Bo Cumberland and Jolie Kasperzak. 
there's all kinds of cool stuff over there. I even occasionally have some extra distillation slash homebrewing related materials such as staves or yeast or unique grains that I offer over there. There's going to be all kinds of new stuff coming up. Kim and I are actually working on an Oracle deck specifically for if you have ghosts, you have everything and our spiritual work with this podcast and personally that'll be up before too long. So please go over to thealchemistcabinet.com and place an order. All that money obviously goes back into this show as well as into the One Piece of the Time Distilling Institute and it helps our family out. This is one of the ways that we pay for our bills and also pay for our hobbies such as all the software we use for this podcast, etc. We really appreciate your support. We love you guys and we'll catch you soon.